think a lot of the guys up there get really creative and they have gotten very creative. There is a bigger picture to this and you just have to trust the process. I don't think it takes a year for other guys to know whether or not a QB's got the sauce. If these guys walk out on the field and in two weeks, three weeks, a month, everybody on that team knows, oh, that dude's got it. What's up, Vikings fans? Welcome to episode number 109 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. This is Chris Corso here at the TCO Studios back in the Twin Cities. I'm very excited to be back in Egan and joined by the whole crew here, Gabe Henderson of Vikings.com, and got the chance to finally meet Tatum Everett this week. Uh, Producer B-Raj is is on the call here for episode 109. Happy to have him along. And we are super excited this week because the initial 53-man roster was set on Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon um, is probably the time frame we're looking at, but we've been joking around here at the TCO Studios how many changes have already been made to the 53-man roster after that initial release that we put out on Vikings.com. So we're going to cover all of that, and I'll throw it to Gabe Henderson. What are your initial takeaways from the Vikings move so far, and what do you feel about this 53-man roster heading into week one? Well, everything is fluid, like Mike Zimmer said today. Um, we are recording this. It is 3.07 Times, p.m. We need a timestamp, Dave. <laughs> 3.07 p.m. on a Wednesday, and we have over three moves made since the 53-man roster um, was, I guess, confirmed on Tuesday. So it, everything is fluid right now, but I think the biggest surprise for sure was Everson Griffin. Um, there's word right now that he is going to be back. And he is back, so I'm not sure what the business moves behind that decision, but so, so many things to take away from this 53-man roster. I know a lot of people are saying, well, man, Jake Browning, he got waived. Kellen Mond is the backup. It's like, well, you know, he had a pretty good preseason game in Kansas City this past Friday, and rightfully so, he, he earned that spot. I mean, of course, there's more moves to be made. And the obvious news, Smith Jr. was the most talked about person on this Minnesota Vikings team this all offseason. So seeing him um, have surgery, which probably is going to keep him out for a while here, uh, it'll be interesting to see how Chris Herndon, who the Vikings just traded for, how quickly he'll learn this offense and how Kirk Cousins will, will get on the same page with them. I mean, I mean, we know how important the tight end position is to this Minnesota Vikings team. So uh, a lot is on Tyler Conklin's shoulders right now, but that's just my uh, just initial takeaway. Um Everything's fluid. At the end of this conversation, there'll be another move made, but yeah. A hundred percent. Some of the latest moves that have been made, the Vikings have placed three members of the initial 53-man roster on the reserve slash injured list. Obviously, as Gabe said, the headliner there is Irv Smith Jr. Uh, Seems to be a meniscus injury in his knee, so we'll see how long he'll be out of the lineup. Definitely a big-time hit to the Vikings offense. And then running back rookie Kene Wangu, and wide receiver Dan Tresena, who who would would have been on the special teams unit to start out the season. All those three players are on the injured reserve. And long snapper Andrew DePaula and, of course, Everson Griffin have been brought back to the 53-man roster. But Tatum, I really enjoyed uh, the conversation that you had with Voice of the Vikings' Paul Allen and Pete Bursich of the Vikings Radio Network, breaking down that initial 53-man roster. So give us your overall, I don't know, takeaways from the voices of the Vikings Radio Network, what they thought about 
this initial 53-man roster and what they kind of knew was happening uh, going forward here with the moves that were made today? I think the thing you have to keep in mind is the word initial. Uh, That's very crucial when yesterday's news released of the 23 players waived uh, or released. Initial is such an important word to keep in mind because this is no way what the roster is going to look like next Monday, next Wednesday. You know, it's going to change so much. So I think a lot of the comments we were getting as the show was airing was, you know, questions about Everson, questions about Amir Abdullah and and Jake Browning. and, And you can't press the panic button on those things just yet because it is a different type of season, as we all know, because of the whole 16-man practice uh, squad. IR, for instance, you know, you have to be on the 53-man roster in order to be put on that list. And we know there are a couple of Vikings players who are nicked up and are going to be on those lists. And so, and so the the roster looks, you know, you got to kind of have to calm the Jets just a little bit, let things play out, as, as you guys have mentioned, the fluidity of everything. And keep in mind that word initial, because that is nowhere close to what the final one is going to be like. And I think, you know, there's so much going on back here. Even I feel like we are having a hard time keeping up with the amount of moves. And it's it's less about now, 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 and it's more about big picture down the line, you know, as we get to the first and second weeks of the season. And um, I think you're going to see a lot of moves and a lot of changes as we go on the next few weeks, just because people are adapting to another season where we are in a pandemic. Did you mean to say calm the Jets? That, that, was that I a did pun? not. Was that a pun? <laughs> I did not mean to do that. <laughs> no, Jay that's Jettis? a good one. That's a good no, one, though. Chris Herndon. Oh, Chris Herndon. Yeah, he's, he's from the Jet. Jets. Wow. But still, Jay Jettis, You're too. going that way. I feel, I feel like the opposite, though. Like We should get the keys to the Jets on that one yeah. because we need him to go, go, go right when right he gets now. here. Right now. Well, Gabe references Chris Herndon, who comes from uh, my hometown team, the New mm. York Jets. I know a little bit about him from his uh, performances at the University of Miami, big-time tight end in college, and never really hit his stride in that Jets offense, which kind of tough to hit your stride in one of the worst <laughs> offenses in the NFL over the past couple years. But uh, Do you want, think that's a good fit, though, Chris, if, you, I, if you've followed him for this long? I really do, and I've always liked his abilities to be a red zone target, which is what I really think the Vikings are going to need at this position this year without Kyle Rudolph, who has caught the most touchdowns in tight end history for this franchise. You don't have that guy anymore, number 82. You're looking at Chris Herndon now, who – I mean, Tyler Conklin, we know what he was able to do those past four or five weeks of the regular season, but he hasn't done it in a full uh, you know, 16-, 17-game season now. So, I don't know, Gabe, what do you think about Chris Herndon? Man, I, I was watching film on him earlier today, and he's a possession tight end for sure. I mean, being 6'3", I think 250, um, you expect a guy like that to be shifty. And, of course, losing a guy like Earl Smith Jr., who was shifty in the slot, you can't. You got to put a nickel or athletic outside linebacker on him in the slot – um, you're, you're missing that. So I think the Vikings are looking for something like that in Chris Herndon to just be able to be a threat in the passing game. I know a lot of people are saying he is great in the run blocking game also, and we know Irv was the guy when it comes to run blocking. I'm just thinking of Alexander Madison's first touchdown in 2019 uh, against the Oakland Raiders where Irv Smith Jr. had the pin block or the touchdown block to, to get him that touchdown, or last year against the Tennessee Titans where Irv had the pin block on the defensive end that jolted Dalvin Cook free for a 39-yard touchdown. So hopefully Chris Herndon first can pick up the, the run-blocking schemes because that is going to be huge. Um, we, we have enough receivers right now. We, we know 
Um, Mike Zimmer doesn't keep six receivers. This year he did keep six receivers. So I'm expecting to see a little bit more three receiver, three wide receiver sets with a Tyler Conklin or Chris Herndon until he learns the playbook a little bit more. But you got to expect a little more than just a little bit from Chris Herndon because he's filling some big shoes. And I know he had that big t- uh, 2018 rookie year, and that, that's what Minnesota Vikings fans are, are looking for him to build on. I know it's been two years since then, but hey – we had high expectations for Irv Smith Jr. Chris, you you got to fill that void. I love that you referenced the blocking aspect of the tight end position because that is a big-time job for these tight ends in an offense that pretty much runs through number 33, Dalvin Cook. Yeah. And you have to think that maybe Rick Dennison being there with the New York Jets a few years ago, the run game coordinator, and obviously now has a senior role with the Vikings offensive line, maybe he played a part in Chris Herndon and seeing the way he was able to block there in New York for the running backs that, you know, their offense wasn't so great the past couple of years, mm-hmm. but clearly he probably sees the traits in Chris Herndon, and I certainly saw the traits in him as a bigger-bodied tight end. Yeah. Real big-time red zone threat, as I said before, and one who can block in in the running and the passing game, which is something that we are going to need this year out of that position. Uh, the Vikings also picked up another tight end and claimed from the Jacksonville Jaguars, Ben Elefson? I would say Elefson. Yeah. We'll go with Elefson. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I totally, You've been outvoted. Yeah. <laughs> You you guys win on that one. I'll, I'll let you go. And get with that. this, it's his birthday today. <laughs> wow, that's a nice it, birthday present because he's from Minnesota. Yeah. So wow. he's making his return home what a on gift. his birthday. What a gift. Happy birthday, Ben. Native of Howley, Minnesota. Uh went to North Dakota State. Uh so definitely a, a player that Looks like he's had some success in the offensive side of the ball at the tight end position. So uh what are you guys takeaway? Tatum, what's your takeaway from I think you have to say the pronunciation. Ben Ellefson. <laughs> there you go. You know, I mean, this happened just a second ago. I haven't done too much research on him, obviously, besides knowing what his birthday is. Uh, so, no, I think it's good to just keep adding depth there and trying to find the right fit. It, you guys talk about the run blocking. If if that's what his specialty is, because, like I said, I haven't really gone in and done a deep dive on him just yet. But if that's what he's good at, that's what we need at this point. So, if he's ready to get his, you know, his head down and and take on the big boys up front, then that's what I think is the best fit. I mean, he's obviously young. He um, seems pretty healthy. So, I mean, here's to depth. (laughs) Yeah, I got a question for our social media manager. Since Ben Ellefson was just signed... Like, does he get the happy birthday tweet on social media? Like, is is he? We gotta worth go it? ask Zach Royce upstairs. I don't know. I, I mean, think that's a great question. Like, is that how we welcome him? In? <laughs> Instead of like a signing video, is it just a happy birthday welcome to the team? That's um, a good question. Well, I am reading that. Uh, obviously, growing up in the in the Minnesota area, he was actually honored um, at the Minnesota Football Honors, which happen every year. Uh, the Vikings have a big role in that. I see a picture of Adam Thielen. Um, with the man himself, which is pretty cool, back nice. in 2015. So there are the local ties, as you said, Tatum, yeah. and and I always love when the Vikings bring in uh, homegrown talent that can come in and, and try to make an impact on the roster. And he's a winner. Well, he won five conference championships in college and four Division One AA uh, national championships while he's at North Dakota State. So he, he understands how to win. I know people are saying, well, that's, that's only D1 AA. A winner is a winner. Um, sometimes that just translates. Uh, it, it takes. He understands what a winning locker room looks like. I'm not sure what he'll add to the field, but I think uh, that that winning mindset, that winning attitude, plus being a homegrown guy, 
Um, it'll be interesting to see how his career will shake up here in Minnesota. You know what my first question would be to him if I see him in the hallways? Happy birthday. Well, that too. <laughs> um, I don't know if he'll be here today exactly, but um, how was it working out with Tim Tebow? What was that experience like? Because you've he- we've heard so many rumors yeah. about what it's like, why Urban brought him in. Sure, he got cut. Was it a locker room thing? Was it to set the culture? I'd love to get an insider's take on that, especially because they were in the same room. I yeah. love Tim Tebow. <laughs> Side note. As, really as a quarterback or a tight end? As just as an overall oh, as a person, person. Gotcha. I, I just think he's a great person. He's a motivator. Uh, he's he's tried many different careers. He's in a his winner life. too. Uh, he, he was definitely made fun of a little bit in that Jacksonville Jaguars uh, clip of him trying to block somebody. <laughs> okay, in the but preseason. I mean, but but the but the tape was there. Come on, it was, he, was what, there. what were you going to do about it? It was there. Yeah, I mean, anytime Tim Tebow touches the field, there's going to be at least four Magnifying or five cameras glass. in him. So mm-hmm. it, it it was going. It was bound to happen. It was just. <laughs> when was, and where? Yeah, how just, how long until his just wasn't his time play. there? So. Yeah. He, he lasted a game. I mean, but come on, the the guy just walks in and just is able to go practice at an NFL camp. I mean, not many people can just Where do Ur- that. Urban Meyer was is his neighbor too, so he probably knocked on his door first. Hey, um, instead of watching the kids today, we, we, <laughs> we, need, we need you to, to suit up. Still, still impressive. Well, speaking of a former NFL quarterback, let's look at the Vikings quarterbacks this year. Kept on the 53-man roster so far of this recording, it is just Kirk Cousins and Kellen Mond, who showed a lot of growth throughout um, Vikings training camp and, of course, his reps throughout the preseason. So uh, how do you feel about this, Gabe? What, what do you feel about the progression Kellen Mond has shown so far with the limited practices at the beginning due to the COVID list and yeah. now really starting to get the playbook going throughout the preseason? Yeah, I, I've been on record saying Kellen. I think Kellen Mond is just a gamer. Of course, in practice, he'll flash here and there, but when the lights are on and he's able just to be himself, I think that is when the true Kellen Mond comes out. Of course, week one, he had a really good game uh, against, the, against the Denver Broncos, and then he took a step back against the Indianapolis Colts in preseason week two. So coming into last week's game against the Kansas City Chiefs, everyone was wondering, okay, Kellen, like which, what, what, what guy did we draft? Because we've seen good Kellen and we've seen not so good Kellen and I think he proved a lot of doubters wrong in Kansas City. I think he went 16 of 23, 196 yards, threw an interception that wasn't his fault, but he made so many plays that you expect from a rookie quarterback, and you don't expect for a rookie quarterback. I'll say that in the same breath, but he made so many plays that you were like, okay, this guy can, can can be a pretty good quarterback if he just learns the ropes from Kirk Cousins. Uh, this guy has a has a really bright future in the NFL. So I, I, I'm, I'm okay with the decision of keeping Kirk and keeping Kellen Mond. And, of course, Jake Browning is on the practice squad. So that's a guy that still knows the, the playbook. He knows the roster. So I, I'm a fan of this. I mean, you got to think about it this way, though. We're in a society where it's a, a, a we now? want results now mm-hmm. culture. And there's nothing wrong with having Kellen getting those – practice reps, getting those scout team reps right now, learning under Kirk Cousins, who's proven himself to be a very durable guy. If if that's how you want things to go and you want to slowly bring him up and have him learn the system and learn how to be a pro, this is how you do it. I mean, sticking him on the practice squad year after year, it, it hasn't really proven well for the others. And I'm not saying one's more talented than the other or whatnot, but but if that's your future, nurture it, you yeah, know? And yeah. and so this to me is is a very like obvious move because like you can make moves throughout the season putting players here and there. And if 
Kirk unfortunately does go down and you need something maybe a little bit more veteran experience, there's no saying you can't go out and get someone and not force Kellen to be in the spotlight. But why not take that chance? Because, I mean, he's got you got nothing. You play with house money at that at that point. And I mean, we've seen this story so many times in the NFL. I'm not going to compare him to any names, but we've seen guys get drafted, you know, first three rounds, sit out for a year, sit out for a couple of years and then become really good quarterbacks in the NFL. People take that for granted like of course I, I always say rookie quarterbacks they have that rookie year of hey um, like man this guy is really good blah 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 that's because defensive coordinators don't have film on these guys so it's hard to game plan for these guys when it goes to their second year that's when you see that sophomore slump or you mm-hmm. see like a Josh Rosen where it's like I don't know if this guy can play anymore so for Kellen Mond there's not much pressure on him he's able to just learn soak it all in but also get some quality reps on scout team. I mean, he's he's running the opposing offensive plays. Right. And he has to do it full speed. So doing that full speed, he understands what the thought process of an Aaron Rodgers is versus a Kirk Cousins versus a um, in any team that we play. So I'm, I'm excited. I think he will make a, a huge step in his career. I don't know if I don't know if I want to see him this year play. I don't know. I, I don't think you um, do. I want to see him go against our number ones and defensively yep. week after yeah. week as a scout team guy because yeah. if if we've got one of the best defenses which I believe we do in the league this season that's what I want to see him go up against so he can see that game speed feel Daniel Hunter in his face that kind of stuff mm. everybody forgets Patrick Mahomes held the clipboard for yeah. a nice year behind Alex Smith well, I guess I wasn't going to name names <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there a guy who is obviously one of the best I wasn't going to compare I mean if you could say Aaron Rodgers I'm just throwing it yeah, yeah, Aaron Rodgers you. as well you're right <laughs> let's move on to the running backs uh, not too many surprises here Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison the two halfbacks and CJ Ham, obviously at the fullback position Amir Abdullah was waived um, from the active roster which was a little bit shocking to me Tatum um, a player that really had an impact on special teams and really played a lot during the preseason yeah and this is a guy I can see going back on the active roster before week one if the spot is made available he is a big player in the special teams game I know that this kind of shows maybe Amir Smith-Marset will be more of the return guy but you have a very reliable guy in Abdullah and so I'd, I would not be surprised if I if seeing him elevated but I will say I'm, I'm pretty stoked to see AJ Rose on the practice squad <laughs> um, after you know sometimes I feel like in the preseason you want to like find that guy that just kind of like this is his moment because you know he's not going to be a starter day one and so it was great to see him have such a great preseason and get his name out there and for him to stay here in Minnesota uh, I I think is great and um, yeah I I was a little that was that for me it surprised me a little bit but also doesn't I just think there's another layer to all of this where we'll see a lot of shifting and shuffling and they go out to him and they're like oh you know we want you so just stick around just a little bit longer and we've got your back you know there's a five letter word that starts with F and that is the definition of what this period is. It's fluid. Fluid is what Mike Zimmer said in his press conference. The roster is fluid. It is ever so changing. It could change <laughs> after we record yeah, I this podcast. I thought you were about to say Everson changing. Uh, Everson, <laughs> ever so changing. Yes. Evergreen. Evergreen, wherever you want to go with that one. Uh, it, it is definitely continues to change, and, and Mike Zimmer made that pretty clear in his press conference on Wednesday afternoon at the TCO Performance Center. Uh, looking at the wide receiver position, this is a, a – I mean, one of the strongest positions on the roster. Obviously, at the top, you have veteran Adam Thielen and the rising superstar in Justin Jefferson. 
Going down the list, I like the three next wide receivers that are on the active roster. I don't believe that we've had this much depth at this position. K.J. Osborne, who really has shown a lot of growth throughout training camp and in the preseason. Rookie Amir Smith-Marset, who really show, showed a lot of confidence yeah. in the preseason games. And then the Wiley veteran, Dede Westbrook, who we haven't seen much of yet. Man, I want to say that so bad. Yeah. How excited are you to see him be yeah. out on the field, Tatum? Well, I think that as long as he's out there and we haven't seen him, this wide receiver <laughs> three discussion is going to continue. Yep. I don't, I don't personally believe anyone has outright claimed it because he's kind of sitting out there we just don't know what he's going to look like in purple and gold just yet so i wouldn't be surprised if we have six receivers traveling and of course that's a dan jacena also but i i can just see us traveling six receivers until we figure out what the tight end position looks like it there's just so many unknowns irv was supposed to be the guy Mm -hmm. like irv was wide receiver three that we were talking about all year so now i mean i can see us going more three four wide receiver sets with these guys so Having a backup of some sort until Chris Herndon uh, figure this figures this thing out, I, I can see this wide receiver group being one of the most important positions on the field for this Vikings it's team outside so of Delvin different. Cook. Yeah, right. It's gonna look so different, even from even from yeah. camp. Yep, it's complete. Like this is we're two different teams now. Um, I think Clint we're still good. back there, just like his pencil steaming from all the plays <laughs> he's drawing up right now. He maybe he doesn't want it to be so fluid yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> position, but uh, really tough news for Chad Beebe, a roster hopeful who has made the roster the past couple seasons. Never seemed to be able to stay on the field uh, with the injuries that he's battled. Uh, reports are that he has a foot injury that requires surgery, so the Vikings had to waive slash injure uh, injured list Chad Beebe, which he is no longer on the active roster or on the practice squad. So best well wishes to Chad Beebe, who really uh, had some great moments with the Vikings in the past couple years, one being a game-winning touchdown at home over the Carolina Panthers uh, last season. Let's move forward to the topic of conversation, the tight end position. Uh, current, the, at the initial spot, it was just two tight ends that made the roster, uh, Tyler Conklin and Brandon Dillon. Obviously, Irv Smith has now been sent to the reserve slash injured list, and we referenced it before Chris Herndon, the pending trade with the New York Jets, passing his physical is all that's left at the time of this recording. It's going to be a tough... Uh, Tough position, I think, this year. Not what we're used to with number 82 in that spot, Gabe. Yeah, but number 83 is going to have to be tight end one and step up to the table and figure this thing out and pretty much be the leader in this tight end room. Um, Of course, last year, Tyler Conklin was the third guy in the room. Now he's the first guy in the room. So I'm sure there's pressure there, but also there's a little bit more um, responsibility put on his shoulders just to help coach another guy in Chris Herndon up uh, in, in, a, in a speedy way. So, man, this is – I have so many questions. I have more questions than I have answers when it comes to this tight end group and how things will shake up. But man, Let me you, ask you this then. Yeah. Do you think that this extra week that we have before the season starts is going to be a huge like, – like this – you know, it's new, so yeah. it's nice to have that. How much is this going to affect that transition? And and losing him 
after the third preseason game with this extra week. How how nice is this, I guess? Oh, it's great. And you got to think, he just signed today. I'm sure his playbook has already been shipped to him, first-class right. delivery. So he's, he's probably in the playbook already. But having a week to actually figure things out, over a week and a half to figure things out, it is. It is. You hate to see it so happen, beneficial. but you are. You it like happens. this. You like this padding of time. Yeah, it happens, and we didn't have this last year. So right, having exactly. it now and having game film, I think you can curtail um, certain plays for Chris Herndon. Like Clint Kubiak has already, I'm sure, watched film on Chris and say, "Okay, this is what he can do in the red zone. This is what mm-hmm. he can do in the middle of the field." So I'm going to give him 15 to 20 plays. Hey, I need you to learn this by Monday before you come in the building. Once you learn this 15 to 20 plays, we'll start figuring out and game planning, going so on and so forth. The good thing about this part, too, is that we're not putting in an entire playbook. Now you're only game planning for a certain team. So everyone is learning the same exact plays at the same exact time. So that helps. 11 more days or so till the Vikings' first game against the Cincinnati Bengals, like Tatum referenced. It's a lot of time for this tight end position to kind of figure itself out with Ben Ellison obviously being the last player claimed at this position. So four players uh, that are fighting for active roster spots, and then, of course, rookie Zach Davidson. It is confirmed that he is a member of the Vikings' practice squad. So good to see a dual-threat type of uh, special teams tight end player be still around the facility, which will be really good for the team um, going forward. Looking at the offensive line position, speaking of some questions that we had (laughs) at the tight end position, this is one where, you know, uh, this unit kind of came together a little bit in some of the preseason games, but I really want to see what that starting unit is going to be when we line up against the Bengals. Uh, We kept nine initially on the Vikings offensive line. Rashad Hill, Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury, Ole Udo, Brian O'Neill, Blake Brandell, mm. a late-round draft pick uh, a few years ago out of Oregon State that makes the roster, Mason Cole, um, an acquisition last year, Christian Darisol, the Vikings' first-round pick who we haven't seen much of out on the field, and Wyatt Davis, the guard out of Ohio State. So what are your uh, initial takeaways, Tatum? Um, I wasn't as shocked that- Maybe that Blake Brandall made it after his preseason and his performance in the games. I thought that he really um, stepped up and it showed a lot of improvement. I like Mason Cole at center. I think he has a really promising future there as well. I'm still pretty salty that we can't see Darisaw in there yet. It's just kind of something I really wanted to see this offseason. And I love the promise that Wyatt Davis has. I think there are a lot of names in here that individually have done very well. I'm ready to see more of them play collectively. And and, you know, honestly, as great as it was seeing A.J. Rose break out and do things like that, I'm just ready to see Dalvin Cook back there and see what they can cook up for him. I mean, Sorry. If, if he's going <laughs> to cook. Doing all show. He's gonna it's going to happen all show. I mean, if he's going to cook, these linemen are going to have to be sous chefs. They're going to have to be Oh, uh, you are just going to continue chef. it. I mean, I'm, oh, I'm oh, helping you out because you, you got to, I mean, they got to they serve up the plate for the chef to cook. They do. So I think it's a lot of depth. I think it's a lot of meat on the bones here. It's a lot of a lot of food to feed. Some meat potatoes over there. You got don't, six you got sixty you got sixty thousand pound the beef. sixty six thousand customers looking for food. <laughs> <laughs> and you got nine chefs right here that can cook it up for Dalvin to be special this year. So Rashad Hill, of course, that's probably the biggest question mark. Okay, how can he mm-hmm. or what can he do to make um, his presence worthwhile? Because Christian Darisoff, he wasn't hurt. A lot of people are saying he was supposed to be the guy, he's drafted first round. But at the same time, you say 
you look at the the people behind him, you're like, man, this is a lot of depth. Like Mason Cole has played really good football. Wyatt Davis, uh, the the value pick of the draft this year. Christian Darisaw, when he's healthy, I think he's going to make you know some splash plays. And then Blake Brandle, like that's those those are four really good guys. Let's talk about Dakota Dozier. I know a, a lot of people aren't really high on him, but he's got some quality reps in the NFL. He has NFL experience, so you can't coach experience. And I think. Having those guys, this group, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this group. I'm, I'm fine with this group. I don't know if you guys know the pound the beef expression that mm. was created by, I believe it was Pat Elfline, <laughs> a former member of the offensive line, and then Mike Zimmer kind of ran with it. I think it was two years ago, but it kind of reminded me when you guys were going with those Dalvin Cook uh, expressions that you were throwing out there. <laughs> pound the beef. It's hopefully. just a softball sitting out there every it, time. Yeah. It's, it's going to continue throughout the show. And with that, we welcome in my good friend and obviously the former host of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I don't know if you're, are you still hosting the show or are we are we having you back here? I have no idea. I'm just happy he's back for this episode. It's Cy Amundsen, a big time part of the Vikings Entertainment Network, and I'm just happy to have you back, Cy. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to be back, Corso, and uh, that was a, a very warm. Welcome. So thank you. This, this is nice. It's nice. It's nice to hear your voice in theory. Side, just being a Minnesota Vikings fan, I know you're in Cincinnati right now. We play those guys week one. Um, what is your optimism level slash pessimism level for the team in purple this upcoming season? Oh man, I'm a disaster. But that's I'm a disaster at the beginning of every season, and I I kind of spiral back and forth. There's no middle ground. I never, you know how they want you want quarterbacks like he never gets too high and he never gets too low. He's just John Elway. I am the opposite of that. For like forty five minutes, I'm walking around going, "Well, we're going to go zero and seventeen and throw about a hundred interceptions." And then about an hour later, I'm pretty confident that we're the best team in the NFC. So I really fluctuate uh, between the highs and lows. Right now, in this exact moment that you have me on the phone, I'm optimistic. And I I think it's because of, and you guys can tell me if you think this is a dumb take or not, but I think it's because of what's at stake. You know, all all the noise, it's been like this really intense preseason and but there's just so many guys on this team, so many veterans and, and really talented veterans who are on one-year contracts with something to prove, presumably before the cap goes way up in this league. And you have a coach and a general manager in a crucial year, and you have a quarterback that's kind of been the center of this really public scrutiny. There's just There seems to be so much on the line for so many, uh, so many people within this organization right now that I always assume that brings a crazy level of focus and intensity. So at the very least, walking into the season, walking into Cincinnati week one and, uh, and Arizona week two, I assume you're going to get a really high level of focus to start the season. But you know, I'll probably doubt that in, you know, in a little while here. Yeah, I mean, there's no shortage of storylines out of the Minnesota Vikings this season. And I know you're down there. You're like the boots in the ground in Cincinnati right now. Are the Bengals saying anything about their confidence level against the Vikings week one? 
Absolutely not. This this is not this is a, Cincinnati is a different city, man. The Cincinnati Bengals fans, the best way I can describe them, the, the only way that I can help Minnesota people, they're like Minnesota Timberwolves fans. They they are, even the, the ones who I know down here who love the team, they're like, we're so excited, and I think we're going to go about 5-12 and 12 this year. <laughs> like they, they, have, they love Joe Burrows. They're excited about it. Like, there are people down here who are excited. Like they will talk my ear off about Riley Reef, and then I they'll finish, and I'll be like, "So you think you guys can make a run?" And they're like, "Oh no way, we're not. We're going to be really bad." <laughs> so I think they're going to show up. I think they're passionate. I don't know that anybody's going to be smack talking me as we walk Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and Delvin Cook into their building on week one. So, Cy, producer Jay Nelson calls you the voice of the fans. Is that, is that is that your title for this that episode? In the document. Is that, yeah, that's that in the document. document. <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate, though. What a nightmare! Nobody. I, if if my Twitter DMs are any <laughs> indication of whether or not that's true, it's it's not. People, I, I do not feel like I speak for most. Well, Jay has called you the proclaimed voice of the fans. So, being the voice of the fans, what is your biggest? I don't know. Worry or question mark? heading into the season for the Vikings? Oh, man. Um, I, I, if I had to rank them, I think, I think my top two right now are just cohesion. Like, I, I know I said that everyone's going to be focused going into week one, but also I think it's a hell of a task for this coaching staff with a new offensive coordinator, you know, so many new players on the defensive side of the ball to really sync up all together all at once. And it's nice that Weatherly has been here before and Sheldon has been here before and Everson has been here before. But, you know, that is still asking a lot. That's why I'm glad we're not walking into Tampa Bay week one. So I think cohesion and rhythm. And and, and then the other thing, the offensive line. And I, I, I can't be the only one, though, who I saw Ole Udo. So I'm, I'm freaking out all offseason about the offensive line through the draft. I think I'm right about everything, about what we should be doing. I'm worrying. We get all the way through training camp. We walk into preseason, and Ole Udo isn't out there for that first game. And, you know, we kind of saw how that went. And I, I'm screaming for Wyatt Davis. Like, what do we even what, – who cares about Ole Udo? And then he went out and just – he, I, it was incredible. I was like, that's what he looks like? He looks like a refrigerator stacked on top of two other refrigerators. He is <laughs> enormous. So, so that's like, three, three refrigerators? Like, is what, that how many? What brand? Yeah, they're, uh, well, they're Frigidaire. Um, and I, I couldn't I, – all of a sudden I found myself excited about the interior offensive line because I'm also excited about – what Garrett Bradbury can do. You know, I think he's caught a pretty hard rap the last couple of years and O line's a unit and I'd like to see what happens when he has some stability around him. But knowing all that and returning to your question, Corso, then I watched Quiddy Pay, who was like one of my favorite dudes in the draft, but still I watched him in one of his first couple of snaps just rip through Rashad Hill. And then you know, Chris Jones isn't there for the Chiefs, and they get by a little bit. And I like I like Rashad Hill. I think, you know, the team obviously has confidence in him, and I'm going to have confidence in him until proven otherwise in the regular season. But 
I think with Kirk, the way Kirk moves in the pocket, the way Kirk needs a clean pocket to operate, and how important the backside is to every quarterback, but specifically him, I think my my biggest concern is probably keeping him comfortable and upright in the first four weeks because you don't want to see, you know, you don't want to see what happened last year happen this year with just this outrageous amount of turnovers early in the season that put you in the sort of hole that it's, it's almost impossible to, to pull yourself out of. So I think both of those things probably play into that, like cohesion early game one, like fitting in together and then protecting Kirk early and often so we can get off to a tough start. Because I don't know what the numbers are, but I do know that the, the, the strength of schedule for our division is brutal, and you don't want to get off to a slow start. Ooh, speaking of strength of schedule, let's talk some NFL here, Cy, because I know you are a, a huge fan of the NFL. And with over 800 guys getting cut in the last four or five days – are there any moves that shocked you, any moves that surprised you, or just your thoughts on just everything that has transpired the last couple of days? Can I tell you my favorite? Yeah. I love the Cam Newton cut, <laughs> but not for the reason – I'm not like anti-top hat or anything, or I'm not reveling in the, the COVID dramatics. I think what people, they're talking, well, is Mac Jones ready? You know, is like – you, what, what, did, did Cam not fit? Who cares? What I love about it is that Brady obviously won that divorce <laughs> yes. on a level that very few win divorces, right? Man, you he are, just you goes are toxic. To Tampa. Dude, he goes, to, he goes to Tampa and just pipes a title <laughs> immediately, right? So I... I love that Bill Belichick, and I don't know that this was his thought process, but I'm going to pretend it is because it's way more fun. The only, like, he could have gone and won a title this year with Cam Newton, and people would have been like, ah, cool, Brady's still, you know, he did it right away without, like, the only way Bill Belichick can even that divorce is to take another nobody rookie. I mean, he's not a nobody, but he's close. But take another unproven rookie and run and win a title. So I love, I love the ego in the move that exists there and the upside of what could happen if Mac Jones actually turns out to be a guy who can throw a football. Speaking of young talent that we are ready to see in the NFL, there's a team a little south of here, the Chicago Bears, that have quite the quarterback controversy brewing up. Yeah. Yeah, I... I well, I'm curious what you guys think. Just give me give me quick fire. If you were in charge, who are you starting week one, Dalton or Fields? How many times have I told you I'm a huge Justin Fields guy, Sai? Watching yeah, Ohio, Corso. I Corso love loves, him. I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah, you love. He loves Corso. Loves Justin Fields. So I know the answer. Gabe and Tatum. How about you? <laughs> I'm, I'm going Fields. Um, if, if you're talking about starting Mac Jones, who was the 15th, 15th overall pick, why not start the ninth overall pick? Right, but they don't have an Andy Dalton there. And I'm not saying he's like, you they know, God's gift to quarterbacks. But, but they I, had Cam. Well, they got rid of him, though. I get rid of Andy Dalton, too. Well, they, but he's still on but the roster. But he's still on the roster, yeah. I don't know. I, I, You know, I feel like a hypocrite if I don't say I start Dalton, let field sit for just a bit, because we just talked about um, Telling let, letting quarterbacks sit there and, and learn. By no means... <laughs> You know, I, th- I think Fields is a little bit more gifted, but um, I think I go with Dalton 
just to just to have it never be a question that Fields shouldn't be the starter. I mean, they they had an experience with Mitch Trubisky though. Like he was the number two. Ah, I'm, I'm. So I'm agreeing with you. I'm oh, like, contra- you. I'm contradicting my mind. Wow, Sai, thank you for that. Thinking, I appreciate I'm thinking that. Of the Mitch Trubisky experience and how what that- a wet blanket gave. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you couldn't even hold the take through her answer. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with Tatum, and I, I believe a couple of things. That doesn't mean they're right. It's just the things that I believe are right. One is, I don't think it takes a year for other guys to know whether or not a QB's got the sauce. You know what I'm saying? Like, it might take a dude a while to develop, but these guys walk out on the field, and in two weeks, three weeks, a month, everybody on that team knows, oh, that dude's got it. You might have to develop him, but he's got it. And so I think they already know whether or not Justin Fields has got it. Now you have all the other politics and power struggles that go into organizations and draft picks, and whether or not he should start, and, and, and yada, yada, yada. But they know whether or not he's got it. And I just think quarterbacks also, their, their future and their success is so built on their surroundings. You know, like, what, once every 20 years, you get one of these guys who can overcome whatever? You know, you had Luck, Manning, you know, maybe Marino was in a good situation, but he was a sort of talent. You, you don't get those guys very often. The rest of them are like, Achilles Smith goes to the Bengals, you know, but Russell Wilson goes to the Seahawks, right? And David Carr gets sacked 10 trillion times in Houston. He's not coming back from that. So the Bears have a trash offensive line currently, and I don't think they're going to be a great team this year. And Andy Dalton, to me, is the perfect quarterback to learn from because he's not going to be so perfect that you can never see his mistakes, and he's not going to be so bad that he can't teach you stuff, why rush this dude in? Like, that's why, you know, there was all the rumors about Fields coming here, and if he had, I would have thought that was the greatest situation in, you know, in the entire draft because you have the Alex Smith-Mahomes situation. So, Tatum, I'm with you. I'm not saying you have to sit him all season, but what are you no. racing Justin Fields out there to get hit a bunch, especially in a division where outside lines, I mean, these are some pretty badass defensive fronts that are going to get after you. Yeah, you got to make sure you protect the pick. You know, if you've got an right. offensive line you've got questions with, I say Andy Dalton all the way, Fields later on if they prove themselves down the line. And to that point, after what the Bills did to Justin Fields, did you see that hit that Justin oh, Fields took against the awful. Bills? Yeah, you definitely got to sit him out for oh. a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, he's why, one of the toughest why? guys out there, though, so I get that, but, but still. I mean, when your skull cap comes off, toughness goes out the window. No, I know, but I was just <laughs> I was recalling the what was the national championship game when yeah. he came back oh, in. Oh, oh. Clemson, yeah. oh. That was tough. Yeah. I mean, the dudes, the dudes just clearly got it. And you're probably not winning a Super Bowl this year if you're in Chicago. So why? I don't care how good you are. If, some, if, if, if 35 sacks get put on you in seven or eight games, mm. you start hearing it. You know? So why? why? Why rush? Well, since Bears fans probably want to see Justin Fields, I am hoping that Andy Dalton is the <laughs> starter week one inside that you are right. Uh, last one for me, uh, just looking at the season, looking at the schedule, looking at the Vikings' initial uh, 53-man roster and some of the trades that were made, I want your prediction, Cy. What is the Vikings' record for the season? Remember, it's a 17-game season. 
Yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not giving a season long prediction. Give, give us, give us a much. prediction. You're the voice of the fans. <laughs> so, so I'm going to be the voice of the guy who strangles you. <laughs> I, uh, I, here's, I am, I am, I can tell you that I predict as I dance around this. I, I just think. Our first Answer the question, Si. Like, do we need to walk you through each team and just say L or W? I don't want to do that. I'm not okay. interested. I think the first five games are going to determine what sort of team you have in front of you. Because you've got, you know, you've got three really, really tough games, and you have two that you should, you should compete on, right? You, you, you should have an easier time competing on. You know, there's no easy games in the NFL. But you've got week one with Cincinnati, week five with the Lions, if you're a fan, you think you're getting those, right? So then you have these three games. You got the, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, and the Browns. You got the Patrick Peterson revenge factor. You got the, hey, we can't ever beat the Seahawks factor. And you've got Kevin Stavansky and one of the most talked about teams in the league. If, if that cohesion is there, if that focus is there, and you grab two of those three games and you walk out of the first, first five games, four and one, uh, we Corso and I and Jay and I have talked about this off air forever. Uh, no matter how old you are, and Gabe, you, you were on, you know, you played at Liberty, you get this. When you're in a locker room, no matter if you're a 37-year-old veteran or a 16-year-old kid, as a ball starts rolling one direction, the unit buys in, right? Think of Brett Favre when he threw that touchdown against the 49ers and the whole unit finally bought in. Think about years where it's gone poorly when they haven't. I think if you can walk in and out of, you know, three out of five games being really difficult, if you can grab four of those games and you walk out four and one with the amount of like stud star veterans on this team and hungry young, young players, I think there'll just be this come together and you're going to see a really, really nice season that could wind up, you know, 11, 12 wins, who knows? But I think it's all predicated. Now, it's not saying if you don't, you don't go, you go three and two or two and three that you can't have a run towards the playoffs. But if they get a good start here, that's the sort of thing that could snowball downhill into a really, really, really fun season. So 11 and six, you're saying? Yeah, of course. Yeah, 11 and six. <laughs> well, 11 and six, guys. I'm going to go with 11 and six. Well, thank you, Cy, for joining the show. The voice of the fans. Uh, returns to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I loved chatting it up with you, and I will uh, talk to you soon, Si. Tatum, it was so great to, to hear you officially on a microphone. Gabe, I love you, Corso. We're going we're gonna to have to have a conversation about how this went. Jay, thank you. Bye, guys. Bye, Si. Well, thanks to Si Amundsen for joining the show, and we are getting back into breaking down the Vikings' 53-man roster. We covered all the offensive positions. Now, guys, let's get into the strongest part of the team, in my opinion, the defensive line, Gabe. Mm. Running down this list, I see a lot of depth if you want to take the uh, take the mic on going through these some of these names. I mean, Daniil Hunter, youngest guy to 50 sacks. Then you got Michael Pierce, 91 overall in Madden, Dalvin Tomlinson, number one defensive tackle in free agency this year. And then DJ Wanham. Andre Patterson calls him his guy. And then we brought Stephen Weatherly back. Sheldon Richardson is a monster. And Patrick Jones the second is a guy who I've been high on all offseason. And then rounding the troops is James Lynch, 
Armin Watts, and of course, Everson Griffin is back. So I saw a, um, they were, they did a scrimmage last week. The Vikings did a scrimmage last week against themselves and they were doing like third and long, like a third and long situation. And we were in a three, four defense. Danil was at right end. DJ Wano was at left end and Everson Griffin was at nose tackle. And I was like, how do you stop this? How do you stop this? And not even not even to mention Sheldon Richardson, Michael Pierce, Dalvin Tomlinson. You still got guys that can still rush the quarterback. Like this is this is a scary unit. There have been a lot of strong defensive lines since I've been here, guys, in 2015. This is by far the most depth that I have seen on a defensive line. When you add a Dalvin Tomlinson and Michael Pierce in the middle of this defensive line, return a Daniil Hunter signed Sheldon Richardson, who was here before, and drafted Patrick Jones the second, and then you have a couple of players like DJ Wanham coming back for a second year. It's just this is a this is probably the strongest unit, just or maybe even the whole team. Uh, and it's led by one of the best coaches in the NFL at the position in Andre Patterson. So Tatum, what do you think about yeah. this unit? This is your first year here. You're probably well, like yeah. wow. <laughs> it's a it's a mix of just sheer talent and athleticism as well as veteran experience, which I think is huge. And they're guys that want to play together, and they're hungry to play together. They came here for a reason, and that reason was to be on this line, be on this front. And I think that has a lot to do with Daniil Hunter. I mean, Mm. guys want to play with him. They want to be his teammate. And you wonder why guys like Michael Pierce, Dalvin Tomlinson, Sheldon Richardson, like these guys come back or they're here is because of Daniil Hunter. And so that's what I'm most excited for. For them, I just think it's going to be an exciting group to watch. And after such a disappointing season last year when it came to quarterback sacks, this is, I think, where you're going to see the numbers pop. The second layer of the Vikings defense, the linebackers position, led by co-defensive coordinator Adam Zimmer. Uh, Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks are obviously members that made the roster. Anthony Barr will see what his status is heading into week one, I believe. Adam Zimmer says he's got a plan for him. There's a plan for him in place. I'd love to see the two of them back on the field together because that's when the Vikings defense is at its best. Uh, Going down the list, you have some young linebackers like Troy Dye and Chaz Surratt who really flashed uh, big-time plays. Tatum, I know you had a really cool story on Troy Dye and his touchdown in the preseason, so you got to be thrilled. Uh, to see him on the roster. And then you have a few, you know, veterans like Nick Vigil and Ryan Connolly and players that just add depth to the special teams unit and, of course, the Vikings linebacker crew. Uh, Blake Lynch, another Mm -hmm. player who I know Adam Zimmer is very high on, Gabe. Yeah, and it was interesting that they kept seven guys, right? Usually teams, or this team in particular, only keep five or six linebackers max. So seeing some of these guys still on the roster – uh, that's cool that they made the 53-man 53, 53 roster. This is probably still fluid, but I think this tells me that the competition is still heavy. And whoever makes that plane, whoever dresses out, they're going to have to prove some of these guys will prove uh, Adam Zimmer right or wrong. So, Well, uh, and I think they're going to have to be big contributors on special oh, teams. Absolutely. They're going to be really relying on these guys, um, especially the guys like a Blake Lynch or a Ryan Connolly who may not have that – starting to rotation potential right yeah. now, they're going to need to be the guys that they look to on special teams just for think, sure. I'm just thinking of Chasserat, that punt. I mean, the, the tackle that he had yeah, against the Indianapolis Colts. And literally, I can't think of who it was, he caught the ball and Chasserat just like lit him up. So speaking of special teams, all those guys outside of Eric 
Kendricks and Anthony Barr are going to have to contribute. I just like saying Gunner. Gunner. <laughs> like a, tuck, Gunner. a Texas accent. Gunner. Gunner. Well, I certainly think there's going to be a lot of flipping and flopping between the defensive line and the linebacker crew. I know we've seen DJ Wanham line up at that outside linebacker type position. Steven Weatherly has shown he can do that in this defense. So uh, if you have an Anthony Barr out for a week or two, maybe that's what the Vikings and Adam Zimmer and, and coach Mike Zimmer will be up to. But man, I just see a lot of depth at these two positions. And speaking of depth, the defensive back unit. From safety to cornerback, we have veterans, we have young players, we have free agent acquisitions like Xavier Woods at the starting safety position. But uh, Tatum, you mentioned uh, in your show with with Voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, that we kept four safeties this year. Yeah. A little different than last year. Yeah, a little different, but much needed, I think, in in a case where you um, probably were a little strapped last year at that position. Um, Obviously, you've got the two veterans, Smith and Woods, starting It's great to see Cameron Bynum in the mix. I think he's got a promising future. Um, So, so yeah, I think it was definitely needed. The two guys, obviously Pete and Paul, they were really high on Josh Metellus and what the value he can add in special teams. And so, um, yeah, they were really, really uh, happy to see that from the show yesterday. Looking at the cornerback position, that veteran depth is led by Patrick Peterson, Brashad Breland, two big-time free agent acquisitions, and we brought back a good friend of the Vikings defense, Mackenzie Alexander. Mm. So uh, looking at those veterans, Gabe, and then looking at some of the younger players at this cornerback position, what do you see for this for this group? Veteran leadership, like you said. Um, when you pair those guys up with this fantastic defensive line that we have, I'm just seeing interceptions left and right. I'm seeing I'm seeing covered sacks and I'm seeing uh, interceptions just because the D line is getting pressure. And I think when you have s- such savvy veterans like Patrick Peterson who likes to take gambles or Harrison Smith who likes to gamble, I think it, it serves those guys well and lets them play freely and. Of course, those guys bring so much knowledge to the game. So I'm just thinking of a Chris Boyd and a Cam Dantzler and a Harrison Hand that are just going to gain just valuable knowledge just learning from those guys in front of them. But, man, this is a loaded, loaded secondary unit. On to the specialist uh, room, which I believe Tatum Everett has some breaking... I feel like it's just dwindling and dwindling away. You have some breaking news for us. Give the time. Give the time before you... It is 4.09 p.m. 4.09 4.09 p.m. We obviously shoot this, or we, we cut these in segments, so I know we said 3.07 at the top yeah. of the pod. It's now 4.09, flash forward <laughs> an hour, and Britton Colquitt has been cut from the roster, the veteran punter, and um, yeah, I mean, this kind of seems like one of those things we all talk about. Obviously, we've talked about the fluidity, but also just the grander plan, the bigger picture. I think that has a lot to do with this. And there are multiple layers to a decision like this, considering we also just brought back the long snapper, if I'm not mistaken. Andrew DePaula. Yes, we did. So maybe it was just a switcheroo until we switcheroo again. <laughs> Who knows? As Mike Zimmer said, the roster is very fluid, so uh, we will see what happens. We have kicker Greg Joseph there, and long snapper Andrew DePaula was actually officially uh, brought back to the Vikings 53-man roster. We will see what happens at the punter position um, with that news that just came out here around 4 p.m. Central Time as we're recording the Minnesota Vikings podcast. But um, with that, we have covered every position of the 53-man roster, the fluid 53-man mm. roster. I'm going to ask you guys for your final thoughts. Gabe, kick us off. 
so much veteran leadership that we didn't have last year. Some of the times that we got exposed last year due to the young guys, I don't see that happening this year, even though we're still trying to figure out who's going to be on the 53-man roster. Since you have so many guys that have got valuable experience, it opens up your your play sheet. It allows these defensive coordinators to be able to be who they are but be more creative. And I think even though Ursula Jr. is not playing, I still think this offense is going to find ways to be creative and get the ball in their playmakers' hands. I think we knew something like this was going to happen, whether it was on offense or defense or somehow, some way. We, we knew there was going to be an injury. Of course, we didn't want it to be this soon, especially to Smith Jr., but I'm still optimistic because of that veteran leadership, and I think we will be better than we were last year. Tatum? I'll take a little bit of a different approach to this because Gabe did a really good job of recapping it. I don't want to repeat anything he says because I think it's – Good to note that the front office is trying to take as much advantage of these rules as possible to manipulate the roster as well as they can. I think a lot of the guys up there get really creative, and they have gotten very creative with these these deals that they've been making. and And um, it's it's a hard you have to think so you know ten steps ahead every single time. So while us as as you know outsiders or fans or anything like that looks at these picks and presses the panic button when it happens like we don't have a punter on the roster right now what are we going to do those kinds of moments it's also good to remember like there is a bigger picture to this and you just have to trust the process well that'll do it for this episode of the minnesota vikings podcast a very long episode but i think we covered a lot um, on the show, there was a lot to cover in real time as well as the roster is ever so changing, ever so changing <laughs> throughout the show. Uh, I see what you did. But yeah, it was, it it's definitely um, something that we'll have to continue to monitor throughout the week and the 11 days until the next Vikings regular season game that will kick off the 2021 season. Um, looking ahead, there's a lot to catch on Vikings.com, the Vikings mobile app, and of course, the Vikings radio network. The radio shows start this week, um, starting on Tuesday night with Skull Stories. Uh, Vikings radio network's Pete Bursich had a chance to speak with longtime member of the Vikings front office and former NFL head coach Paul Wiggin. He still comes into the office every day and helps out Rick Spielman <laughs> and is pretty much an NFL encyclopedia so listen to that conversation with pete bursich and paul wiggin at 6 30 p.m on tuesday night on kfan that'll be a really good show and also we have a new show on the vikings radio network it's called the audible it will be a player run podcast and tv show uh, where we have some of the members of the vikings 53-man roster it will be some of the more prominent members and we're really excited about the show. I think it's going to bring a lot, Gabe. Can we give uh, one name? We can no? give one name. Give a name. Justin Jefferson. We're really excited about it, and you will see more about that on the Vikings uh, digital channels and Vikings.com. So stay tuned with us for the next couple of days as we wait for this season to start. We're really excited here at the Vikings Entertainment Network, and we will keep the content coming as we prepare for that week one game against the Cincinnati Bengals. For Tatum Everett, Gabe Henderson, Brian Rogers, and Jay Nelson, thank you so much for listening to episode 109 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast.